Welcome to Mailings and Screens, IndieWire's TV industry-focused podcast. I'm creative producer Leo Garcia, joined via Skype this week by TV awards editor Libby Hill and TV deputy editor Ben Travers. That's right, we're all practicing social distancing and are self-quarantined in our homes. On today's episode, we'll be talking about Westworld Season 3 premiere, how delay in production could potentially knock Fargo out of contention for this year's Emmys, and how else the coronavirus is affecting the television industry. As mentioned previously, we're recording remotely, if this sounds at all different than it normally does. Oh, I'm sure it'll sound exactly the same as if we were all in the same room and uh, and recording in a somewhat competent recording studio. Yeah, I mean, every week the cats are poised right at the edge of my computer waiting to pounce and destroy every recording <laughs> equipment, every piece of recording equipment that I have set up. This is millions and millions of little screens. Can't you shut up? I'm busy. Boy, what a great show. Skipping ahead to the clicker, our recap of the biggest news items from this past week. Guys, Westworld premiered this past Sunday, uh, or season three premiered this past Sunday, to 1.7 million viewers. That's uh, streaming and live, correct, Ben? Yeah, that's the combined total. Uh, They only had about 900,000 non-streaming, non-rerun viewers. So that 1.7 million is, is combining not only everybody who watched it on linear HBO, uh, but also everybody who streamed it uh, and everybody who watched the three reruns, I think, that were available over the course of that first night on Sunday. So, uh, yeah, 1.7 down from 3 million from season two. And 3.3 million for season one. Now, how does this sort of like stack up against the more recent uh, HBO offerings, The Outsider, Watchmen? Well, that's the that's kind of the the silver lining of the ratings and that they're, they're still outperforming or Westworld is still outperforming a lot of HBO's other um, big ticket dramas. When Watchmen premiered, it drew almost 800,000 live viewers. uh, Whereas the outsider uh, had a first night total of 1.5 million um, or I'm sorry, the outsider had a total of 724,000 viewers uh, and both kind of increased over streaming to 1.5 for Watchmen and 1.1 for The Outsider. Uh, so The Westworld is still one of HBO's more important shows, but the fact that it lost almost half its viewers since the season one premiere, especially during a time when basically everybody is at home, watching television, looking for something new, and very aware that Westworld is returning, um, that's a pretty shockingly low number, at least from my perspective. What do you think? What do you think accounts for that? Like, were people distracted by you know their real life problems? Were they all watching the debate? Uh, do you have plausible explanations beyond perhaps some viewers were put off by season two? I think there's a lot of things you could point to, especially you know if you're HBO and you want to believe that this is going to pick up over the course of season three. Uh, the debate is definitely one of them. A lot of people were were focused on real world issues and wanted to hear what uh, real leaders might have to say about those uh, those problems right now. So they they tuned in for that. At the same time, those numbers weren't record high numbers. They weren't so big that they would have sucked the air out of everything else airing on television. Um, at the same time, you know, people are preoccupied with what's going on in the world. So that may have worked against them. They may have had, you know, other priorities in place for Sunday night rather than watching Westworld. And they'll just, you know, catch up on it whenever they feel like catching up on it, just like they treat the rest of television. Um, at the same time, I don't know if there is a rock solid explanation 
for losing that many people. Like losing a couple hundred thousand, maybe even half a million viewers during a time like this with stiff competition on a Sunday night, I think that could have been argued as expected. But losing over a million viewers is a lot of people. And uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like season two is pretty much the main thing that people will have to look at. And considering they spent so much, you know, so much time, so much money, so many of their resources rebooting the series for season three to try to give it a new look, to try to explain to people that this is a, you know, it's still the same show they loved, but it's not what it used to be or not what it became. I think that points to them being pretty aware that they needed to steer away from season two as much as they could. You think if there was an El Cuco, it would it would have performed better? <laughs> think if El Cuco was in Westworld? Uh, now, I think I like that idea. I like the idea that <laughs> the end of The Outsider introduces El Cuco into Westworld, which then is the lead-in that Westworld needed to boost its season three viewership. Now we're in business. Uh, Libby, you wrote about this for the site Fargo. A production was delayed, obviously, amidst uh, the, the various uh, productions that have been delayed because of the coronavirus. But essentially, this delay means that it will miss out on its... Uh, on the Emmy window for this year. And I guess if you want to talk a little bit about that, and then also if, if there are more Emmy shows that'll follow in, in this like very these yeah, very dark footsteps. It's, it's a difficult situation, but not one that is that is altogether surprising. Um, FX did announce yesterday that it had halted we knew it had halted production on Fargo, but as they were in the middle of filming the second, I believe the penultimate episode for season four. Uh, they announced that um, they were canceling the premiere date for the season, which was scheduled for, I believe, later in April, April 21st, maybe, which already would have put them against the wall as far as getting all the episodes out in time to qualify for limited series. So any kind of delay whatsoever would have either forced FX into doing sort of a bulk drop or... um, or, or holding until next year. And while we don't know for certain that Fargo is out of the Emmy race, they're basically as good as out of the Emmy race because partially because of the change in the in the hanging episodes rule that the Emmys instituted this year in which all of the episodes of a limited series and a, a regular series need to be made available to the Academy members for screening by May 31st, which is just kind of, kind of a, a Herculean task for any kind of of series that is is still in active production at this point. Now, as far as like what other shows this may have an impact on, um, it's hard to say at this juncture. We don't actually know what shows are still in active production and which are uh, just sitting in post. But we do know that production on, say, Nat Geo's Next Genius uh, season uh, Aretha, starring Cynthia Erivo, star of HBO's The Outsider, um, has also halted production. Great poll. Yeah, I try. Um, has also halted production. Now, what's on their side is that Genius is scheduled to run almost as late as possible in May on four consecutive nights. So they were already pushing the very edges of eligibility, as it were. Um I mean, it is the middle of May, but that gives them theoretically plenty of time to still make it. So, um, but that is a that is a storyline we will continue to see 
uh, unfold as this quarantine, as these hiatuses roll on. Um, but we'll keep an eye on it. It's it's definitely a huge disruptor to the semi season, and it'll be interesting to see how the TV Academy chooses to um, adjust or not adjust things as they see fit. Post production wouldn't be as affected as an actual physical no. production, and so if it is something like motion graphics, that that stuff is probably still getting yeah. If you're completed, if, if projects are in post. I don't think they're in as much trouble as, as those that still have active filming going on. Um, post, I think, is very in isolation heavy work anyway. Um, we all know some people who are mm -hmm. who are in long term relationships with people who work in post production who have moved into their dining rooms to uh, continue mm -hmm. their their work from home. Uh, so that is not getting as slowed by this outbreak as as things that that require large groups of people pulling together on a single set and um, being in close proximity for large amounts of time. So probably a good time to move on to sort of the the pall that has fallen over, you know, the industry at, at at large, it is now pandemic. It wasn't when we spoke. It's qu crazy how quickly everything shifted. Because like last Tuesday, when Libby and I recorded in our offices, forty years uh, ago, it it feels like forty years ago. Exactly. Uh, so much has shifted in just that week. Because we were just talking about, oh, the FYCs are starting to change. Th there's probably not going to be FYCs. At that juncture, Netflix had canceled uh, the FYC for Lost in Space. But also the day after that was supposed to happen, yeah. they canceled. Um, they announced the final season of Lost in Space. So the theory was that, you know, they weren't losing a lot by canceling that FYC. They clearly didn't have the most faith in that series. But then I believe shortly thereafter, the uh, TV Academy announced that all of the FYCs had been shut down, that they would be reannounced as uh, live stream live streamed or taped events available online to TV members, uh, members of the TV Academy. And like basically the cancellation of all TV Academy events for the next, you know, through April, I believe, or, or for the foreseeable future. Um, just in the terms of the last week, everything got real, real, real quick. Essentially from like Wednesday on is when we started that or like you start to see productions come through that production was halting on various shows. Uh, so what, I guess to ask a very large question of the two of you, what does this mean for TV now and how is this going to affect, you know, this industry for the, for the next couple of months? Well, one of the, um, one of the immediate things I think people should brace for is if you're, if you're a diehard fan of broadcast television and you're, you know, really enjoying this season of, say, Supernatural or Grey's Anatomy, uh, there may not be a season finale. In fact, there probably won't be a season finale airing uh, at its at its scheduled time slot because those productions have been suspended and it's too expensive to suspend those productions and then start them back up later in the cycle than they'd already scheduled. Like, it, it would be too difficult for um, a lot of those shows to, you know, try to get things going in June or July or August and then turn those episodes around quickly enough um, where you'd get them before the new season was scheduled to begin. Um, so a lot of those kind of things are going to happen uh, just in terms of shows kind of ending, just drifting away 
almost like we saw in the in the writer's strike from you know over a decade ago. So I think in the immediacy, there's going to be plenty of shows that are going to keep rolling out. Obviously, a lot of the streamers have stuff shot. Obviously, a lot of things are in post-production. But anything that was kind of going weekly or had tight deadlines to manage, they're going to miss those. And people are going to have to get used to kind of the idea that the endings aren't necessarily the endings for good. They're just going to be the endings for a while. And they're not going to feel right. They're not going to be as satisfactory. The sweeps week is gone. Um, a lot of that stuff is 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 going to be an awkward adjustment just from the the normal practice of watching television just from the perspective of oh well i'm very used to having this one thing that i can tune into and there's no reason that would go away except yes now there is that, i'm very upset that we too. aren't recording the video of this because ben's hand was just like right in front of his ca- of his camera for a really long time and it was great it was just like giant hand the <laughs> entire time i didn't it's good. Talk, it's good. It's very exciting. But right. <laughs> along those lines, yeah. um, not the hand part, the the broadcast television part. Um, it actually <laughs> it, it actually makes bad situations worse. We had talked previously about America Ferreira leaving Superstore. Now that production is halted on Superstore, it's completely unclear what kind of finale that season will get because America Ferreira is pregnant. It's entirely impossible to say if she will be able to come back to film whatever kind of finale they have um it's just a mess out there and while television is lucky because they work so far out our current television isn't disrupted but there's going to be a real real ugly spat or a real ugly stretch of television non-releases in four to six months and um hopefully only that long um yeah and and like to go along with that like with the idea of of superstore which is especially in that transition point like you pointed out um there's a few shows that are ending on broadcast that are that are pretty significant series finales and uh modern family is done they wrapped production a while ago so that april series finale will most likely air as as planned and, and they don't have to worry about bringing everybody back for a special finale um, but I remember I, I was reading Joseph Adalian's uh, Vulture piece from a couple days ago, and he talked about how a show that I have obviously never tracked, but I know has a huge fandom in um, in Supernatural, oh, which boy. apparently has not finished its season yet. That's been going on for <laughs> so many years. And the idea of something that goes on that long and that has that much of a fandom not getting an ending when it was scheduled to have an ending seems unbelievable. And yet at the same point, how they negotiate those contracts to, you know, bring people back who may have already booked projects after the finale was scheduled to be shot, um, when they'll be able to do that, how they'll put it out, when they'll put it out, if the CW is even willing to, and Warner Brothers Television is, is willing to spend the money on that. Um, that all is is totally up for grabs right now because we just don't know what the culture is going to look like what the ground is going to, to look be like fair settles. So, that show has had plenty um, of finales in its 15 seasons or so so <laughs> maybe they can retrofit one of those to be the series finale yeah. but jokes aside that is that is weird and tragic for a show that has uh cheated death so many times previously uh is there anything to be said for and granted it's sort of crass in this it, it's tough to talk about you know entertainment and business while 
this thing is sort of sweeping the world and our country. But like the fact that like there's no March Madness for that that suite of of networks. There's no sports. There's no baseball. There's just some of these wide swaths of time that were usually devoted on these various networks that now there's nothing there. Well, there's a lot of syndicated uh, judge shows they can probably fill with in the short term. But I don't know what anything looks like. And it's hard to keep perspective in the midst of all this. Um, but depending on how long this is, everything is shut down in every corner of the world, like it's hard to tell what will be waiting for us on the other side and not to make a bad situation even slightly worse. There is still a threat of a writer's th- strike, a WGA strike looming over Hollywood once we do get on the other side of this um, pandemic. So it's entirely possible that uh, TV and movies are in, in for another layer of disruption. Um, so things aren't great in Hollywood right now. Does anyone have any happy news to report? Uh, I don't have any happy news to report, but I think that at least this week we saw a few examples of what we can expect from the sports replacement coverage, so to speak. Um, which also carries over to what a lot of the networks are trying to do with primetime right now. Um, if they, if when when the NFL free agency started, when their season officially went underway on I think Monday night or Tuesday morning uh, of this week, there was just rabid coverage of of every single move on ESPN. There's like a page on their site dedicated to every team breaking down what they've done, even if they haven't done anything but re-sign a couple of people who were going to be go become free agents who were handing out a franchise tag to somebody. And then there's analysis and videos of every single one of those talking about, you know, what it means and, and what it means for the future of the team and, and like everything's normal. And I think we'll see a lot more of that type of coverage in sports where they look at, okay, so – uh, they're not playing right now. The college kids aren't aren't eligible anymore. What's the NCAA doing about it? What does that mean for the future of the team? How are they recruiting? What are the new recruiting strategies? So we're going to see a lot more of those kind of business and and competitive behind the scenes stories since there's nothing to air on a highlight reel. And then from um, the non sports side of things, uh, a lot of networks are planning more news coverage. They're planning to put, you know, their their uh, weekly news shows like Dateline or uh, I can't even think of the other ones right now. They're 60 Minutes. Planning to 2020. Prime time. There you go. 2020 in primetime. <laughs> you guys got it. Uh, they're going to put those in primetime specials because if they don't have new episodes to air of something that was in production right now, then they're going to cover whatever's happening with the virus because that's all people are talking about anyway. And that's a, that's a fairly cheap, fairly um, – well, very should be pretty safe way to cover those things and still provide new content uh, to fill the the you know the airwaves to fill the the time slots that they've got in between advertisements that they've already sold, um, and they can definitely make the argument to those advertisers that they're going to get the same or a bigger audience with this type of coverage because that's all people want to see anyway. Um, I don't think it's a surprise that the the d- the debate happened anyway on CNN. Um, I think we're going to keep seeing that kind of political coverage step in and, and a lot more specials on the state of the race because that's something they can do and something people need to talk about right now. Um, so I think we're going to see a lot of that stuff and it could continue for quite a while because, again, um, a lot of the pilots 
that are were going to be picked up or considered to be picked up for the fall season, a lot of those pilots are shut down right now. So there's network executives who are saying that the the fall season just isn't going to happen. There just won't be one in 2020 like there normally is. Uh, so everybody's looking for replacements. Everybody's going to try to do stuff that's as, you know, fiscally and humanly possible, like safely possible. And that means a lot of, you know, news coverage and, and, uh, I don't know, maybe they could make the circle again or quicker on Netflix since they're, all those people are <laughs> isolated live. in a room. I, I mean, I, literally, I'm sure. Yeah. Do it live. <laughs> Netflix could start experimenting with live things. Uh, there's, there's a lot that could be done. Um, but it's going to be, it's going to be a pretty in conclusion, dramatic shift. The Olympics are just over four months away. And won't that be fun to watch? Oh boy. Uh, Libby, a lot of things are shut down production, obviously, because of coronavirus, but have, there's still stuff in pre-production. People are still making deals. And uh, just wondering, uh, do you have a show on Quibi yet? Uh, you know, we are close, but I refuse to be on video on any telecommunication calls. So that's sort of a sticking point right now. But if we're ever able to <laughs> hammer that out, then, uh, then, uh, then I think it might actually happen. Fingers crossed. What could possibly wow. go wrong? Leo, we got to sabotage some stuff. Millions of Screens is a production of Penske Media Corporation. IndieWire our theme music features excerpts of the classic YouTube video Bjork talking about our TV and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Our editor-in-chief is Dana Harris-Brightson. Our publisher is James Israel. And our executive editor is Ann Donahue. You can find us on Twitter at a million screens, at Midwest Spitfire, at Ben T. Travers, and at Leo Adrian Garcia. The El Cuco version. <laughs> you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. So please leave a review and a rating and let us know what you think. This is Ben, Libby, and Leo reminding you, as always, that you shouldn't let poets lie to you. You shouldn't let poets lie to you. Ain't nothing wrong with a couple of cold brews and a cool podcast. <laughs>